All right. Welcome to Uncorrect New York. This is our second episode of the podcast. I hope you guys are enjoying it as much as we are. This is Kelly Mena. I'm Stephen Witt. And I'm Tom Rosati. Great. Okay. This week we're going over a couple of issues. They should be fun and exciting. So Wait, shouldn't we give our titles of who we are? I'm Kelly Mena. Did you do that no. last week? No. Sorry. Right. It's all right. It's Keep- okay. Keep on telling us why it's so important for everybody to know who you are, Steve, as if we don't already know. Okay, fine. Mansplain, <laughs> mansplain me, Steve. Mansplain me. All okay. Right. Speaking of our first topic this week, the Women's March was last Saturday. I myself went to it. Kind of ironic that I'm sitting here with two white males talking about the Women's March, um, but it was a, quite an experience. A lot of women, a lot of men, a lot of children. What do you guys think about the Women's March? Started in response to President Trump's election. Um, it's kind of now turned into get equality for colored people and anybody else, LGBTQ community, um, marginalized individuals. What are you thinking, Steve? This week we got, we got a really strong comment on the article I wrote about uh, yes, about that it. I thought was very misogynistic. Right. And I was I, ca- it was called a feminazi propaganda. Yes. Which what a great name. Yeah, no, I thought it was, whenever you get a reaction like that, it means you're doing something well. But that being said, did they have those uh, pussy hats this year? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, you know, some of them had the pink, um, what are they called? Beanies, but not all of them. It's it's because there was a, there's a schism going on in the organization leadership. Right. So there was a competing one in Central Park and this one. So I think people felt like that was when they were all together. So not everybody wore it. Yeah, I mean, I, I have not attended any of them. I mean, not for any particular you reason. Well, no, I mean, but I know a lot of guys who did go. go. Yeah, yeah, sure. That's right. Um, and we men. quoted one, right, right. But I have done a, I, I've done some reading on this, and I think the schism is the most interesting thing. Um, you know, I don't know how much you followed it, Steve, but um, a little. Basically, there's this rift between the organizers. One of the organizers called on the other three to resign because they harbored or because they were linked to groups that had espoused anti-Semitism and anti-LGBT uh, ideology, mainly the Nation of Islam. Right. right? Like, I don't really know the history of the Nation of Islam. Is that the same one like Muhammad Ali and Malcolm yes. X joined? Yes, That's the same one, right? Out of Chicago originally. Right, Elijah right. Muhammad, right, yeah. Correct. Yeah. And you know what's so funny? Speaking of anti-Semitism, there seems to be a lot of that sentiment coming through the last couple of years. We've seen it in Brooklyn with a whole bunch of um, what's it called? Um, 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 what's that where you spray on the wall? And stuff? Graffiti. Graffiti. Thank you. <laughs> I Listen, the words don't come so easily to me sometimes. They graffitied some uh, moss. Not moss. Sorry. Look at me. I'm getting it. All some confused. synagogues. Synagogues. Yeah. I'm sorry about that. I didn't mean it confuses some synagogues but it's kind of interesting how important um the jewish community and in they're becoming in politics i feel like more than before as as the resident jew in this podcast (laughs) who's secular who's who's fairly non-religious uh there's two things that i think need to be brought up here one is um intersectionality or you know that somehow one person's oppression is someone else's oppression so there you know there is a question about that's is not the, the definition of intersectionality oh uh, what what's the definition well like just go just ahead. continue with your yeah. second point and then we'll get that it. that there is some discrepancy about the wall 
that somehow the wall that Trump wants to build is like the wall in the Israeli-Palestinian. Oh, I've never heard that argument. And, and you know, like um, Carlos Menchaca, a lot of people say, well, you know, break down all walls. There's even a railing point around it. I forget, you know, when they rally. And I personally think that it's two separate kind of issues and to link the two walls and make it like one wall can be problematic. And then the second thing is Jewish women have had a major role in the history of feminism. So when it comes to anything that's feminist, you know, that involves feminism, there's always going to be a large Jewish presence. Because from Emma Goldman, you know, the whole history of feminism has a, a lot of Jewish roots. And also Gloria Steinem, right? Yeah, Gloria Steinem. It, she was there. She's pretty invigor- invigorating, I would say. She's did you energizing. Like when spoke? Yeah. I mean, I liked all the speakers that day. It's, it's interesting to stand in a crowd of people who are building you up, you know? Right. Well, I, you know, I think it's really cool that that as, as a, a major executive with Kings County politics to have such a strong and ardent feminist as yourself, because I know I've spoken with you and you were really excited about going there. And I thought you did a great job on the story. Mm-hmm. So what do you, uh, okay, let's go to Tom, Steve, wrong points. And what's <laughs> intersectionality for those of us who don't know? I and mean, Steve, the very, the, the, in a nutshell, it's, well, it's the idea that, you know, different, um, Okay, hold on. Uh, So in a nutshell, intersectionality is this idea that you can be oppressed on different levels, not just on uh, race, not just on gender, not just on, you know, uh, sexual orientation, but that when you cross them, there can be different types of oppression. The the biggest, it came from this uh, lawsuit uh, that uh, was highlighted or that was written about by um, Kimberly Crenshaw, who coined the term. And uh, it's very interesting. Uh, basically, a black woman sued General Motors, I think, because uh, for discrimination. And she, the judge threw out the decision because he was like, okay, well, GM hires men and it hires, I'm sorry, GM hires uh, black people and it hires women. So where is your discrimination suit? It doesn't make sense. And she said, but it doesn't hire black women. Right. And what, and so her, the argument was basically, so they hired black men for janitorial and um, warehousing and, uh, you know, factory line jobs and it hired white women for secretarial jobs in the offices, but it didn't hire black women. And so by intersecting race and gender, this particular uh, class of people were oppressed. That makes sense, right? Right. right because they, right. they were. They weren't hiring this particular – they weren't hiring black women because, you know, whatever they wanted white women in the offices and the, the only black people that could be hired were basically in back of house or, mm-hmm. you know, in, right. in the factory. Mm-hmm. Well, I think like a lot of things, once it gets political, they take that, that one suit and then they somehow, you know, it evolves into – one oppression is another's impression, and we have to back each other's oppression, or they're somehow related. I mean, that's well, how I see. Well, that's it just a general principle, mm-hmm. I think, of progressive politics. Right, I right. don't think that has to do with intersectionality. I, it, it's it, the term is you know been used all over the place now. So you know, some people use it they use it very liberally and possibly with the wrong connotations. But 
Um, it's basically this idea that you can't just look at one um, formation of identity to say whether someone is oppressed or not. You have to look at all the different types of identities to, to understand how there are different types of oppression um, affecting certain people in certain ways, um, some more than others. Right. It's very um, cool. Okay, so now we've all learned, including Stephen Witt, what intersectionality is. I think is. I, if we were talking about a new podcast, then it should be like just the education of Steve. <laughs> yes, Theo, for but, the correct education. I mean, but so, I, I mean, Kelly, I, I, I'm interested to hear what you think about the schism because basically, I believe it was a white woman who decided that okay, well, there's yes. a, a black woman and a Palestinian woman mm-hmm. who she felt were harboring or at least. Um, abetting uh racist or you know anti-semitic or you know it's kind of that idea if you don't speak out against them you're kind of supporting whatever uh bad things they might do to people kind of like the r kelly thing that's going on right now a lot of people want people to be like he's a bad man you got to call him out he's a rapist and if you don't say anything you're kind of on his side i think it's it's ironic because of course it's always the the it's always a white woman calling out a, a minority saying you're doing the wrong thing and you're not doing this and you're not supporting that you know it's the she has connections to them it's kind of goes down to the idea that can you support somebody without supporting their ideology you know can you have a family member that you love but is a drug dealer or is in jail for a violent crime you know does that make it or just because you still care about them doesn't make it make what they've done right and does that mean you're supporting them I, the whole point and the irony behind all of it is the whole point behind it is that women on a larger scale have been oppressed and marginalized from minority standpoint more than anywhere you know white woman it's always the white woman anything happens to a white woman it's the first everybody's freaking out a white child goes missing everybody freaks out white woman gets stolen a white woman does this it's always white people have always had that intrinsic value to American society. So the whole, the people who started the Women's March were all marginalized uh, minority women. So then to them be like, we're kicking you out of your own revolution is kind of like, what do you mean? You can't do that. You can't tell me that I, I'm getting kicked out of my own revolution. Like, no, that's not how that goes. I, it's with me. It's part of me. And you really are just supporting my ability to get equality similar to yours. You know, it's not like you're you're doing anything different because you already have all these protections. So it's kind of like, how, how is that even possible? Like, how can you do that? I mean, I can understand why in the age of Trump, um, particularly Jewish women would feel alarmed about any sort of, you know, catering to, you know, anti-Semitic belief, especially now. Um from what I've read, I mean, Tamika Mallory. So there's two different people. There's Linda Sarsour, right? And there's right. Tamika Mallory. Correct. They're on the same team. Right. Yes. But they, but I find their, their stories very different. You know, Linda Sarsour support, supports BDS, right. boycott, divest, and sanction Israel, which is a nonviolent approach to, you know, whatever. It's a, it's a political ideology. Whether you believe it or not, it's different than Tamika Mallory, who has been associated with Louis Farrakhan, who has said, outrightly insane and right, prejudicial radical, very radical. statements against Jews, n- not just recently, but over the course of his career. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they, they have to be taken separately. I, I don't know. I mean, I think that, and I, I mean, I feel like, the, you know, just having read my, my gut is like, Hey, 
everyone's got to deal with this and, and work work together. Right. You know, like I think it's just it's too much. Just if you look at anyone, you can find fault in who they associate with or yes. what their ideas yes. are. I mean, you have to look at that person individually and say, what was the reason for doing that? And are your intentions good? Yeah. You know, right. like there was a good article about Tamika Mallory and how she discussed her association with the Nation of Islam. And one of her points was that, okay, well, the Nation of Islam is not just Louis Farrakhan. And they've been working in these neighborhoods where nobody was working for years, mm-hmm. you know, policing the street. I mean, they did all, you know, she was an anti-violence um, activist before she got into this. So like, right. it makes sense that she would have an association with this organization that was policing, you know, the South side of Chicago. When no, the cops would and and the Nation of Islam has deep, deep roots in the black community. You right. know, yes, they've they helped do. and lifted many people out of poverty. Yes, they have. have uh, been X there. I was gonna say, it. been there when nobody else wanted to go into these neighborhoods. Deemed them as crack infested with black people that were doing all these bad things. So there, it's to just say, okay, now it's Louis Farrakhan is the representation of all those years of work is like completely unfair. He's one person now at the, one of the top at, of the organization, but it, like I said, it's you got to look at it at it as a whole. And I think it's kind of sad that based on that, there's this division now when it's about unite in the rally. It's about unification, and it's the total opposite going on. Well, one thing that I'm I'm wondering, and did in any of the two marches, was there like a list of demands? Was it like this is what we want? We want women to have total control over their body. We want this or that, and was it just a march of show of force, or was it a power of empowerment, or was it a march with actual, you know, with it with an end in mind? Right, right. I think it kind of a little bit of both because everybody went up there and was like, "This is all the great work that we've done since we started the march." You know, there's more women elected now than ever before. There's more women voting. There's more women from marginalized groups that are making their voices heard. We've heard at the event, there was women from all walks of life, from sex workers, transgender, Jewish, Muslim, Latino, black, uh, black and Latino. I mean, it was just a, a woman who's um, Jewish and Palestinian spoke, which was quite interesting. Right. Um, so it, it kind of was like a show of force, but also these are the things that we also can need to continue working towards making more women become elected. You know, some people who were there who are, um, are protesting certain things. There was a, a stripper there. Who's uh, the leader of the stripper strike in New York city, um, because of the way that uh, sex workers are treated. And she was there and she asked for support and to help her get some legislation passed. So it kind of was a little bit of both. Well, you know, the Chris rock has this thing. I gotta <laughs> say it. He's After said, all that, yeah, hit me I, with the joke, right. Steve. Hit he me was with saying, the joke. you know, the thing with Hillary, it's not a joke. He said that women, if, if you know, if Hillary Clinton were black, they would have come out, you know, 99% of blacks would have come out and voted for her. You know, they vote for their person. Whereas with women, they they can't agree to do anything. I mean, they they... You know, I said they're a majority. They're actually a super majority. There's more women than men. And you would think, okay, we need a woman president. That's it. And then all these like white women in the suburbia voted for Trump. And, other, you know, they, they just. That's because men are such <laughs> small thinkers. They don't, they can't think of anything on a deeper level. They have the herd mentality. They're. No, I'm just kidding. But okay. No, no, right. no, no. I know. You know, I don't, I've never thought about that. I, ju- I really don't know. I think it's just because. Different- You're talking about women hating on women? Basically. Yeah. 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 I mean. 
it has, <laughs> that has so many roots and so many other things about how women are treated in different cultures. Right. how they're taught certain ways of thinking. It has so many other things that are involved when it's women hating women. I don't think it's women hating women. I think it's just very hard when it comes to women trying to voice their opinions because each one has such a specific background that it can be very hard to listen sometimes. I think that's more of what it is. I think that, the, I mean, your examples. <laughs> from Chris Rock. I mean, so a black Hillary Clinton. No, but I don't think it. I don't think it applies. I think that you know, for example, I mean, basically, he's just looking at Obama and Clinton, right? Because Obama got a vast, yeah, you know, Obama got a huge turnout in the African American community, and and that is a, that is defining. I think that's more defining than your than gender, basically. Mm -hmm. You know, at least in American politics, because the dispar like the disparity of of the African-American experience versus women's experience. I mean, women have generally you know, been able to get past their glass ceiling quicker. You know, When was suffrage? When were women given the right to 19, vote? I mean, well, the first presidential election was 1920. So I think it was right before then. So that's a long time where women in America weren't even allowed to vote. Right. Right. Yeah. And blacks yeah. are actually allowed to vote before women. Right. Right. Black well, men. Yeah. Oh, yeah, black men. That's a good point. <laughs> right, right. Because men have always been voting. White men have always been voting. You know, Kamala Harris announced her bid for the presidency. Um, what's going? What do you think is going to be happening there? I mean, going back to your point, if Hillary Clinton was black, you know, Kamala Harris is mixed, a mixed background. Well, this year we have Kristen Gillibrand, we have Kamala Harris, and I think there's one or two others that are, that, you know, it's really the year of the woman running for president. And... Um, it will be interesting to see if any of them break through. You don't think they can? I think they can, but it will be interesting. I mean, it, what do you it, mean by breakthrough to find that? I'm well, breakthrough like Hillary and get the nomination, okay. actually get the nomination. Mm -hmm. you, know? you don't think it can be done again? No, I think it can. It will be interesting. I think it's a very open, we have like 20 or 25 people, Democrats running for president. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, not that I like Trump, but the way he kind of came out of nowhere and broke through. You don't know whether one of these women, their messaging will just resonate. Whether it could be that gay Indianapolis mayor that just announced. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. it, you won't know until the debates start happening. Right. Who's right. the uh, the woman from Hawaii? Yeah, she's running too. I for uh, the the congresswoman. Yeah. And she's a military. You know, yeah. She's a, I, I forgot her name, but yeah. Was, <laughs> we're really bad at it. Like, we're yeah, terrible. That, that woman. Here, let me uh, look her up. Let me look her up. Uh, Gifford, Hawaii. Gifford. Senator. I mean, do you think that we'll have this? Do you think there's a better chance of a black male winning the presidency this next time around? Or do you think that it will be more sooner that we'll see a black male win again? or that we'll finally see a woman? Because a woman's never won. White, black, I think, yellow. I think a woman has a real good chance. I think it depends think on a, the candidate at this yeah. point. You know, I, I mean, Cory Booker is the only one who's in serious consideration right now, right? Well, Camilla Harris is. No, she, she's a she, black man. You, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you got to, she checks off all of them, right? Okay. Uh, but it's Tulsi Gabbard. Tulsi oh. Gabbard, yeah, yeah. Or Gabbard, I'm sorry, I don't know. Her, yes. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Well, interesting. We'll, I feel we'll, like we're hitting the limits of yeah, our we are. <laughs> Let's move, move on. on. Yeah. Well, okay. Speaking of Congresswoman, 
government shutdown. We're like in the sixth or seventh week of this shutdown. President Trump, Nancy Pelosi, speaking of woman, said, you're not giving the State of the Union address until you open up the government. What do what do we think? Do we think that it's going to get resolved in the next days, the next weeks, the next months? President Trump proposed protecting um, DACA dreamers and for a limited time to try to get the five point seven billion dollars he's trying to get for his wall. Do you think he's going to get any? Do you think that it's going to be the Democrats are going to get some protections for immigrants and then Donald Trump is going to get a portion of the funding? Do you think that maybe that's what's going to bring it to? to where we open up the government? Or do you think we're going to be at this this standstill for a while? I'm not sure. I would say the initial person, I really blame Trump on this. I'm really kind of upset with Trump. And, and I give Trump a lot of breaks, but he shouldn't have, in the very beginning, he shouldn't have, it was a dumb call to hold up all the government and people's jobs for the wall. Now, that being said, the Democrats, I firmly believe for the longest time, use the dreamers and the undocumented immigrants as like poker chips. You know, it's almost like I don't think they really care. They say they care. But if they really care, they could easily say, I'll tell you what, we'll give you the wall, but we want this road to pathway citizenship. And I think Trump would go for that. Well, and, what would be the path? Without, what would be the pathway? Like, kind of give me some guy, outline. Well, a pathway to citizenship is you pay taxes for X amount of years, you keep your nose clean. But then the you, question you know. is, the thing is, you're going to bring out all those undocumented people out of hiding, right? Quote unquote, they're going to be scared. What happens if some of them come out and they haven't paid taxes for thirty something years? What you're going to call? Be like for all those thirty years, either you're going to have to say, okay, you're not going to pay. For uh, any of those thirty years in back taxes, and we're just gonna um, we're gonna pardon you, and you're gonna start now, or are they gonna be like, no, you gotta also pay for those thirty years that you were undocumented? How did how did Ronald Reagan? What what was the legislation when they did it thirty or forty years ago? You know, we've I had both no Democrat idea. and Republican. I mean, it's been done. Alive. You hammer it out. The, you know, America, but I, the, the, the first thing you said is true. He shouldn't be doing this. So right. I think that the discussion is moot at this point in terms of what should be done. I mean, it's ridiculous what he did. I think the only conversation you have about Trump is when he should be impeached, to be perfectly honest. I mean, I, I don't understand why that the Democrats aren't trying to do that right now, because I mean, it just he is. His corruption is so blatant at this point. I mean, with all the stuff about the you know inauguration and like all these people just buying hotel rooms in his hotel. I mean, somebody told me the whole reason he did the shutdown was just as to, to distract yeah. from everything else. I mean, mm -hmm. I sh he should be impeached. We should. We, that's the conversation we be ha should be having. Honestly, I mean, I'm surprised they haven't moved to impeach sooner. I yeah. mean, I, they tried the with the Russian collusion, but they really didn't get close. The Mueller investigation. Where are we moving on that? Yeah, you know, I, I think they what's going on the there? Mueller what's going on with? Cohen. I mean, I feel like nobody's moving. I mean, like, let's Buzzfeed get it going. did that story, and it looks like even the Mueller investigation said it was it, it wasn't true. You don't need it. The guy's the guy hijacked his own inauguration <laughs> you know to, what, to Tom, profit to Tom, line his pockets. If you impeach him, I mean, you're a, you're a blue guy from New York City, born and raised, right? Uh -huh. you, you think do. that Republicans in Texas and Kansas. And Oklahoma, you, you think if it's just like, we're going to impeach them, like they're not going to say it's a witch hunt. There has to be due justice. Wait, wait, there wait, 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 there's wait, wait. The, It's there. Let, let the Mueller investigation. It's not about the, you don't need the Mueller investigation. No, but it was the Democrats that had it. They were but the, the ones point that is, it's it. not going anywhere. There's nothing's coming out of it. I'm they sure stopped. there will be stuff coming out of that. But I think, look, 
honestly, the goal is to hamper and inhibit yes. this idiot from doing anything else. Yes. And an impeachment hearing would do that. It's yes. America. You have two more years. No, two no, more the years. No, guy's a corru- he's yes. a corrupt We're scumbag. So much- no. Tell, tell all those government workers you're not going to get paid for two years because that's where we're headed. Right. Nobody seems to be moving on this. And to go back to Tom's point, he should be impeached. At this point, everybody should just be calling for impeachment, starting with Ocasio-Cortez. Yeah, she was. I'm just, surprised she just, hasn't. And that's what I'm said saying. I'm surprised yet. she hasn't. She she follows people around around the state capitol, but she should be calling for impeachment at this point. Do you think Ocasio Cortez is like a cult figure at this point? Of course. You should have seen the the people that adore her, love her. It's everybody, men, women, everybody, love her, especially young women. They're she's an icon now. The youngest congresswoman ever elected. Right. 29 years old? What did you do when you were 29 years old? Yeah, exactly. I was in art school. <laughs> yeah. I'm almost that age, and I'm just like, I, I don't know if I could ever match something like that. But Well, your career's going great. Well, we're moving on. Okay. All right. Okay, next. The mayor this week officially told that all of his city agencies have to push to get people enrolled into the um, New York State healthcare program. He's really on this push about healthcare, healthcare, healthcare. It has me wondering what are his other motives? Why does he want all these people enrolled? And the date is January 31st. And what what's going on? It's, it, it's not like people don't realize that they need to get healthcare. Well, no, that's actually, that's the interesting thing, though. Like, I, in reading up on this story, they have something called the Public Engagement Union, which is basically just they knock on doors and they tell people about stuff that they don't even know. I mean, it's kind of weird, but it's obvious at the same time that people don't know what government services are available to them. So out of, you know, Metro Plus, the health plan that's, that exists now, which is a subsidiary of New York City Health and Hospitals, right. they, they, out of the six, so basically what, there's 600,000 people in New York who are uh, uninsured, right? Mm-hmm. They, in the, in the bulletin that he sent, he said that 300,000 of them are already, quali- already qualify for Health Plus or uh, Metro Plus. Interesting. And they don't, they haven't signed up yet. Because they don't even know. Isn't that bizarre? But like, how do you not know? Because your health is like something you wake up to every day. You know what I mean, I'm you would assume. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> is, it, a- is it more that they, that just because they qualify, you know, it's like the fine print, but like how much would they have to pay? What would come like, you know, what's a- well, Have you done this New York State health website thing? I went on there. Right. I did. It's a total pain in the ass. Oh, it's a, right? and there's so many different things. You got to fill out this and you right. got to know this. And it's. Uh- so if you're 68, English isn't your first language. You live, you know, like you don't like, and you, and you already use the emergency room as your primary care physician. Right. Right. You know, like what impetus are you going to, or like what motivation? I, I, I hate re-signing up and every, every year. I mean, and like, I'm pretty computer literate. You don't, you've never, you say you didn't even use a computer, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you have no idea that this program exists. You have no idea that you could actually go on and get, you know, fairly free health insurance. Mm-hmm. Like, it makes sense. I mean, it's just, it's a sad testament to the, to the social sort of, you know, well, I think alienation that a lot of people feel that we have to have a, a government agency that just goes and knocks on people's doors and say, hey, do you know you can do this? You right. can do that. Well, and I, I wonder how much of the budget that's costing us. And I think a lot of it's just his overlying ambition that he wants to be the leftist candidate for president. And so, you know, during his, during his speech, his state of the district, he's like, brothers and sisters, and we're going to start taking property. 
He's he's a real socialist. What? We're gonna start taking yes, property. Yes, he announced we're gonna start from a, taking from a kulaks. We're gonna start taking property. It's a seizure of property. It's like he's seizing properties, and he's seizing properties from a lot of like working class people, and he's giving it to nonprofits. So the help is that the seizure of properties. There was another initiative. You know, I think the mental health initiative's good. Right. Uh, um, but it, you know, he's just. I think you're conflating two different issues. <laughs> I think you're conflating the issue that you have worked on for a long time with this no, general. He's, he has oh. said, I mean, he's really into, oh, I know what he said. He said, there's plenty of money out there. It's just in the wrong hand. <laughs> you know, let's just give everybody health care, free college tuition, single payer, you know, single payer. And, the, you know, they're not looking at the budget. People are leaving New York. Okay. Well, that's different. And I think that is the, I mean, you can criticize his either criticizes motives or the ability to plan for the plan to succeed. Right. Right. Like, I don't think anyone has bad motives for wanting to insure people. Right. Yeah. And I, as a hypochondriac, the less, the more people that are uninsured and like walking around like sick, <laughs> the higher chance that I'm going to get sick. Anti-vaxxers right? so I, come for time. I think the hypochondriac <laughs> lobby is fully in support of everyone having full, full health care. But yeah, it's like they said it's going to cost $100 million to insure an extra 600,000 people, which adds up, which is $166 per person per year, which is nothing. Yeah, right? that's but, not, wow, that's a nothing, yeah. $166. It, it seems unrealistic. Right. right. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly it. Well, you, you know, one thing is what they say it's going to be, and the other is what it ends up being. Right. You know? And then the other thing that you alluded to, Tom, it's only to the public hospitals. And everybody that's not insured, they go to the public. <laughs> that's their emergency rooms, their primary physician. Right. Well, so in, in so a lot of ways. So if they want to educate a... people, what they should do is, just do is wait till these people go to the emergency room. Wait till they're room. sick and they're, <laughs> and they're dying. And you're like, oh, by the way, you're excited <laughs> for this plan. Are you having a heart attack? Let me yeah. get you right before uh, yeah. they hit you with anything, you know, right before your heart stops. No, but a lot of people, like, they'll take their kids if they're not insured and they're poor and their kids get sick. Or, you know, it could be a cold or, you know, they're just sick. I mean, people... You know, it could be anything from a sore throat to, you know, a busted finger. You know? Well, you know that, that, that to, to add to that, you know that there's also women who go there just to get a pregnancy test. Right. Which, I mean, it's insane to think about. You can get those at the dollar about. store. Yeah. But when you're <laughs> poor, knows. you can't even put together anything, you know, or you don't work or anything. Right. The emergency room, you get it for free. Right. In your head, you're like, it's free. So once right. they go there, they should say, well, you know what? For now on, you're still going to come to this hospital. <laughs> but now if you need to come here for a pregnancy thing, you can go to a gynecologist. Right, right. Hey, Steve, why don't you pitch that to the mayor and be like, actually, the <laughs> best way to sign people up is in the emergency room. Don't knock on their door. <laughs> why don't you just stand in front of Bellevue with a bunch of dollar store pregnancy tests and hand them out to people to save the city money, Steve, if you're not concerned. No, oh, but, my gosh. But it is, I mean, I think... A lot of this, if you read like the sort of New York City Health and Hospitals has, you know, has a annual report. I mean, it's a huge, they're, they're, they have a $90 billion, no, is it nine, $9 billion budget or something ridiculous. Right. Um, and uh, this is, I mean, this is a rounding error, like $100 million. It's like, it's not that big of a deal. And so they are saying that, okay, well, yeah, if we recategorize the visits that people, if people just go in with no insurance and, you know, they use these services, like we have, they, they get charged a certain way. But if we have put them on and actually have them as Metro Plus members. I mean, Metro Plus, from what, what I see, is they get their money from the federal government, right, through mm -hmm. Medicaid mm -hmm. or whatever. 
So they can actually, a lot of it is a billing thing for them. It's like, oh, well, okay, well, we can now bill this right. to the to federal the government Correct. instead of take, eating those costs ourselves. Mm -hmm. So we are going to save some money by just recat or saying, going to people and say, hey, look, you have this right. Take advantage of it that way that we don't have to eat those costs ourselves. We can and then outsource them to mm -hmm. Well, I do agree everybody should be covered in that. I mean. No, I agree with it, too. It's just such a strong push right now. It's like everybody get insured. Every agency has to push right. for it. Everybody go out there, like, get your minions on it. It is weird. That is a weird concept. You know, it's like, and also, I don't know, in the same way that I think people should always vote, but people don't vote. You know, right. it's just like you would think that they would, but they just don't. So it's just like, um, you know, you never assume anything, I guess. All right. Moving on to the next subject. We wrote a pretty intense story this week that got that got a lot of traction. Uh, former assemblyman. The state senator. State senator. Sorry. Carl Kruger. Went to. Oh, no, was, uh, I'm sorry. State, went, senator, state right. senator went to um, a community board meeting. It looks like he might. He look. He's looking to run again. Um, he has kind of a controversial past. I've Steve, had calls since then, since it came out the story from several sources saying yes, he is definitely looking to run. And as somebody who covered him, like back when I first worked for the Bay News, is back when I first came to New York City in two thousand one. I covered quite a few stories with him, and I will tell you, he's very astute politically. He's a very, he is. It's always uh, the crooks that they're yeah, most, that they're yeah, the he's, smartest. He's can I, can I smart, count? Yeah. <laughs> can I comment on that? Yeah. Cause you mentioned it in the story that, yeah. you know, one of your sources said that he was one of the smartest guys. Yeah. Mike, uh, yeah. Mike uh, Nelson, who was right. his former chief of staff. Right. So and where does buying a Bentley while you're a state senator fit into that? <laughs> well, that's one of the stupidest things I've ever heard. That, that's a good point. <laughs> I mean, it's better. And a lot of times that, you know, politicians that are crooks, they do. I mean, it's sort of like Pamela Harris going to Victoria's Secrets to get underwear. Well, or, you know you what know. it is. It's also that idea of like, I'm so smart, nobody's gonna catch me. So I'm gonna. I'm. I think nobody's ever gonna catch me. So I'm gonna try to risk higher and higher. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm so much smarter than everybody that I can do the most extravagant right. thing, and nobody's gonna be able to catch on because I'm the smartest person. But where he's smarter than La Pam Harris or the others with the Bentley is we're talking about a guy that came up through the Thomas Jefferson Democratic Club, Frank's, you know, very the strongest club in Brooklyn. You know, knocked on doors, got petitions. He came up the old school political way. You know, like Pam Harris, who ran a nonprofit. Carl literally came up through the democratic political machine mm -hmm. and he you know he knows how to navigate the system he understands petitioning he understands the bureaucracy he you know he understands the issues he you know he he came up in the way of the democratic party now he's a crook a crook is a crook and it's outrageous he's doing it but I wouldn't write off, you know, Carl Krug. Oh, well, how many people have gone to jail for seven and a half years of former elected officials and gotten reelected? Oh, Michael Grimm, although it wasn't seven and a half years. And he didn't get reelected. But he didn't. No, get... he did. What? He, he got elected. And oh, and then he lost. No, he beat Tom Reckia. He beat Tom Reckia. All, he was already convicted. Yes, I believe so. He was already convicted when he beat Tom Reckia. And then he then he lost the primary to Dan Donovan. Yes, then he lost to Donovan. Really? I didn't I Don, no, didn't Donovan beat uh, Gentile? Right. So then, who did Grimm lose to? If Grimm I, didn't he vacate his seat? I mean, didn't 
Oh, so maybe he vacated his seat, but then he ran again. And lost. Right, but you're saying it, I'm it saying, is what possible. Is the, what Mary is the and Barry. I'm like, yeah. what is the percentage oh, about, of uh, about elected the officials? Jersey, the, uh, Menendez? Yeah. He didn't get convicted. Oh, I see. Okay. But Marion Barry, right? Who's that? The, the mayor Washington. of Washington, D.C. Current he, mayor? He was busted for crack. No, he... <laughs> he and soliciting a... Well, he was in a whorehouse or something, smoking crack. Oh, no wonder yeah, Steve yeah. started laughing and had a big smile on his <laughs> well, face. Wait, who was that mayor of uh, Toronto? Rob Ford. <laughs> that Well, the thing is, I, honestly, like, I, I was thinking about Marion Barry because I would rather elect Marion Barry again than somebody who used his office for for personal gain. Right. Marion Barry was just smoking crack, which, I mean, obviously has its issues, but... I mean, the guy was literally selling out his constituents for his own personal. Well, a lot of it, though, whenever you see this, usually there is some kind of intimacy involved in Kyle Kruger. <laughs> oh, here he, he we go. It, for, it was such a sordid story. <laughs> I think his, his conviction alone was it was uh, it was really fodder for the tabloids <laughs> because he was supposedly living with this woman who's the chair of CB18, Dottie Toronto, that she had two kids and he was... Having a tyrus allegedly with one a of what? them. A what? What was it? A tyrus instead of a tris. <laughs> Is that a like tyrus. a tirade and a tris combined? <laughs> yeah, it's like an angry tris. <laughs> Hey, this is Steve Bonnick. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen him smile in a picture, so it could be a tyrus. Right. It could be. No, Steve dislikes it because there is there is love, there is money, there is corruption, right. there is yeah. lies. All things make for a good story for Steve. Well, yes, I, I I'm shocked because. At least, well, what I think is that, I mean, basically, he was pretending to go out with the mom, but he was actually in a relationship with her son. Right. Allegedly. Yes. Alleged. Right. Well, they have it on tape, actually, right. you know. And they both ended up getting um, yeah. indicted, so. So that is definitely, I think that is, I don't think my mom would do that for me if I <laughs> no, but be if my I beard. <laughs> But I think that's the limit of love, right? Right, right. <laughs> I'm and they all lived in the same house. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, yeah. it is weird. Well, although I bet my brother could actually get her to do it. <laughs> <laughs> like it's a, it was oh, was your the, brother could. Yeah, yeah like the younger kid. Yeah, like you know how younger <laughs> younger siblings they can get their parents to do anything. Right, oh, right, right, right. She, he, my Pete could probably be like, Mom. I'm seeing this guy. It's really complicated. Can you just <laughs> pretend to go out with him for a while? We're gonna live in a mansion. Yeah. Yeah. You're gonna get all these things. And what are her friends thinking? Like, why are you going out with Carl Kruger? <laughs> <laughs> that guy's a bit weird, isn't he? Yeah. I know. Trust me. <laughs> I mean, what are her friends thinking? I don't know. Maybe she didn't have any in that many. Or maybe they also knew and they were just like, it is what it is. Well, it's weird because when you see a picture of Carl Kruger and Dottie Toronto, I mean, I, I'm not one to form an opinion. Oh, be careful. Not, you are one. They're not, I, as lookers go. They're not like in the top fifty percent. Carl Kruger looks like. Oh, what about you? Think that you are? Oh my goodness! Go on, Tom. I was gonna, Carl Kruger looks like George Costanza. <laughs> if George Costanza were a hitman for the Gambino crime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, I mean, also, I always find it kind of what, as somebody who like, what, what is that person thinking when they come back to like? being elected official like how are they going to reinvent themselves like you have to do he's, so he's many a things animal. he's i like i said politically and mind you i've had run-ins with my covering him extensively he would go at the end of the day and he would 
you know, he he would have. What? A, he How would does have he these, talk? I, I can't do it. This guy that I used to work with, he said to post Gary Buizo can imitate Carl Kruger to the T. <laughs> you know, it's like this real old Southern Brooklyn throaty accent, you know, and he, but he would do it and he'd use a lot of it at the end of the day, you know. That at the end of the day, we've got to do what's right. And, and then he'd get indicted. <laughs> but, but, you know, he had a way, you know, he he's an But, like, isn't there, isn't there, like, some, some, like, I don't know if, I don't think this was part of it, but I think it should be part. You know how if you're the head of an organization and you end up... Um, taking money or bribes or anything, you're no longer allowed to like either be uh, be an acting board member on certain organizations and stuff like that. Why don't they make that a condition of certain people's conviction no, they, as he well? He still gets his pension. He gets like 77,000 hours a year. Ugh, leave it to Steve to know that. No, they, they, you can be a convicted felon for corruption and you still get your pension in wow. Albany. Really? Yeah. Otherwise, no one in Albany would get their pension. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. job. That was good. All right. Speaking of something else that um, kind of happened for us this week, one of our other stories was about um, the transgender ban and the immigration. We got an op-ed this week that kind of was pretty strongly worded. It's the... Tom, first of all, the op-ed came from a former state senator in Texas, and he was also the, the land use commissioner, some kind, which is a statewide seat that he lost to one of the Bushes. He came in second, but he held it for 12 years. He's a Vietnam vet. Is that, I, his, is that his claim to fame? I lost to a Bush. Well, no, but, you know, the guy is like one of these red blood Texas Republicans, and I got this email, and I have this thing where... We put in any, you know, that we get, and it's credential. Any op-ed that any we get. Any op-ed that we get. I want to test that. And Well, <laughs> you can test it. And then the other thing that I, I will so repeatedly tell anybody this, that we are in a one-party state in, in New York right now. And now more than ever, as members of the media, we have to present Meliotakis's view. We, got, we need it. There should be two parties. And I always said, if I started... If Kings County politics was Houston County politics, which is all red or wherever in the middle of Texas. It's not all red, but. But wherever it would be or wherever the most Republican section of Texas is, I would definitely put in the Democrats view. I just think it's it's good for media to have multiple viewpoints. That's that's fine. But I mean, my issue is that it's not. Like, I don't think there's a lot of debate, at least in the community in New York, about what this guy's bringing up. Maybe there is in Texas. I, I, I guess if you polled most people, they would be for uh, transgender people serving in the military. Mm -hmm. So I, for, for me, it's not that I, I agree with you. I think that it's always good to present, you know, many different viewpoints. And I think that a lot of times, you know, if the conversation is limited to a particular ideology, you miss certain things. I, you know, even if you don't agree with them, even, you know, just to know what people are saying. Right. Right. But the, I mean, like the guy's argument was pretty weak, you know, like it was like basically his main argument was transgender people shouldn't serve in the military because they commit suicide more often than whatever regular gendered people, whatever he used. Right. right? It and was almost, you shouldn't give them a gun. Right. His argument was they already have so many problems. So they why bring their problems into the military was kind of the argument, which made kind of 
didn't make that much sense. It has, and one really doesn't have anything to do with the other. Well, I think the other side of the argument that could be missing is, is social justice, social justice issues. Um, although I disagree with that even, so I tend to agree with you, but is social justice issues, when you're talking about military, what the main important thing that a military is charged to do is protect the country, is in a time of war, is to, to kill. I mean, it's, you know, it's, there's a... The military is, first of all, it's much more than that. I mean, I, I mean, you're not talking about just machine gunners at the front. I mean, you're talking about military intelligence. You're talking about operations. You're talking, I mean, it's a huge, I mean, how many people serve in the military at any one time? Right. 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 How many people are working at a base in North Carolina? Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, his, his idea that like we're at the, you know, he, he reminds me of um, the guy in Dr. Strangelove who, you know, he's just like ready like yeah gung ho we gotta get the russians you know like (laughs) at any moment we gotta kill 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 right what are you talking about i mean first of all if you look at populations who enter the military you know for example lower income people uh, lower people from lower income are tend way more likely to join the military right and i'm sure if you look at the statistics in terms of stability in terms of suicide in terms of alcohol addiction or alcohol addiction anything like that it's going to be worse than for say you know members of the upper class right so then should we ban them from the military because they're going to be unstable no we need them for for cannon fodder right it's 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 a bullshit argument mm-hmm. you know like it's about evaluating people and individually he said oh we can't have you know we're this is a numbers game and we can't evaluate people you know right, by, right. but he's just he's just creating this arbitrary line in the sand where he's just like okay well i mean I agree with you, but I also think that it's good we put it in. I do. Because you have to realize, like, Tom, you went to Stanford. You don't really have a lot of military in your family. Most people in New York City and Brooklyn, they're they're like these people that come here, they're educated. They're, it's not a lot that hit because now it's an all-volunteer military. New York, they don't come recruiting heavy in New York City. There's Even in Brooklyn, there's only like two or three recruitment centers, which is 2.6 million people. I guarantee you in other areas of the country, they have higher military recruitment. So for like educated people to tell military, oh, military is more than this when they don't, like if Max Rose were asked, and he's probably against the, the ban of transgenders, you know, he's a Democrat, but I would trust Max Rose. You know, he was a decorated soldier, army guy, captain, Afghanistan. You know, I got a lot of respect for veterans and for lay people to like tell people how the army and military should be run is a little disingenuous to me. I disagree. I think I have every right to critique the military and its policies from what I see. I mean, I may be wrong, but I, I find this to be a political hot potato that's being used to, to agitate the right. I don't see any, I don't see any purpose for, for this, uh, for this bill. I think his arguments are complete bullshit. I think that he's a transphobe. Prob- I mean, I would guess. Uh, I think that's an easy yes. thing to bet yeah. on. I, I would agree with and, that. And, 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 you know, yeah, I mean, if you, if you want to debate like tactics or, you know, military structure or military, yeah, I don't know anything about that. But, it, but well, he does not. Does military structure include recruitment? <laughs> I mean, what do you know actually about recruitment in the military? I don't, but I mean, 
That doesn't mean that. I mean, the point is, as citizens of a country where we know about the army, we pay taxes to them. We have a right to put our opinion. Why can't I put my opinion? I know personal accounts of psychotic people going to the military because they want to kill Arabs. It's like literally what they've said. So I don't. So so the idea that you know, there's this high handed, oh, we need to make sure everyone's balanced in the military is utter bullshit. There's fucking racists. There's Nazis. There's people who are gun loving freaks in the military. Fuck that. Like the, uh, just because you don't understand what your gender is, doesn't mean you're less stable than all these insane people who ironically have high rates of suicide amongst themselves, whether it's through combat or, or otherwise. I mean, come on, it's, this is, Bullshit. So there may be one part to even everything out of recruitment is they should bring back the draft where wealthy people have to serve too. I think civil service is great. I'm not a huge. I mean, I'm not. I'm not a huge proponent the of draft. the military, but I think the national I, service is a great I idea. I think the national service for two years, either civil service or military, you could pick one or the other. I think is a really good idea. I think that they should take, like, they should take kids from the inner city. And for two years, at like seventeen or eighteen, well, my kids from the it, inner city. No, well, let me let me finish. They should send them like to North Dakota to build a highway, and then they should take like North Dakota farm kids to Brownsville, Brooklyn, to repair a NYCHA housing project or something. What about the know? rich kids? No, well, all, well, uh, all of in between. In other words, everybody would have to do some kind of military or civil service for two years. And would have to be out of their comfort zone. I know? think that's a great idea. I mean, I, I like that idea. I don't know about the draft, though. Well, they could choose military. They get a choice. You can do an inner... In well, that's not a draft. That's civil service. Right. right. That's, a, that's a better idea. I like that. But the, the point of it was, first off, this man's argument holds no water, first off. And second off, aren't psychological tests part of the military? Or is that part of recruitment? Yeah, I'm absolutely. Not... And so then why why does it matter? There's young people just, there's young people now are, part, are have high suicide rates. Certain groups have high suicide rates. It's not just transgender people. Well, I definitely agree with both of you. But what I don't, you know. To just pull out their their data against nothing else other than non-transgender people is not fair. My feeling wasn't what he said, because I personally didn't agree with it either. My, the, the reasoning was, I just think it's important that multiple views get in there. I think you should focus on Republicans and conservatives in New York who are bringing up issues important to them in New York from a conservative Republican perspective rather than some, some random ex-state senator from fucking... It came in my email. Whatever comes in my email is posted. I kind of, I, I've seen yeah, that. I see, I see where Tom is going. Yeah, and it's kind of like he's this radical Texan. So he's like, I, I want to get my in anywhere. How did you get my email? How did he get And he email? said, well, when I was in the center, I had a communications director, and he's got this great media list. And he said, I sent it out all over. And I like... Get, and and you're the, the only one who published it. <laughs> Like, I sent it to 1,500 people. And who, uh, who caught the bait? Stephen Hoyt. Yeah, you oh, and, and, and Bob Jones University uh, school newspaper, the only two people that published it. So ridiculous. All right. Well, thanks, you guys, for joining us for a second episode of the podcast. Make sure you um, follow us on SoundCloud. Follow us on Instagram. It's Uncorrect New York, NY, actually. And then we're also on Twitter, Uncorrect NYC. 
Um, thanks for joining us. Oh, we're also on Facebook. Good job, Steve. As Uncorrect New York. Thanks for joining us this week. We hope you guys enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed it. Take care.